Are you ready for a rough one? Because this is going to be a rough one. Sometimes stories have to take us to some really dark places for us to understand what the storyteller wants us to know. Both our scripture and our topic for today do that really, really well. Too well, actually. My stomach actually still hurts from watching that first episode of Invincible. Welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith, games, and subverted expectations. I am your nerd pastor, Nate, and I'm so glad to welcome you to another video this week. This is kind of a full one, so without wasting any time, let's get into our scripture. Our scripture for today is Judges chapter 14, verses 12 through 19a. I'll be reading from the NRSV as usual. If you have a translation you prefer, feel free to use that one instead, but the NRSV is what is going to be on the screen. Samson said to them, let me now put a riddle to you. If you can explain it to me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 festal garments. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 festal garments. So they said to him, ask your riddle, let us hear it. He said to them, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. But for three days, they could not explain the riddle. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, coax your husband to explain the riddle to us or we'll burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us here to impoverish us? So Samson's wife wept before him saying, you hate me. You do not really love me. You've asked a riddle of my people, but you have not explained it to me. He said to her, look, I've not told my father or my mother. Why should I tell you? She wept before him the seven days that their feast lasted. And because she nagged him on the seventh day, he told her. Then she explained the riddle to her people. The men of the town said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed on him, and he went down to Ashkelon. He killed thirty men of the town, took their spoil, and gave the festal garments to those who had explained the riddle. First off, let's go ahead and go with an age gate warning and an episode one spoiler warning here. This episode is going to spoil some big twists from episode one of the TV show Invincible, and this show is rated TVMA. So if you are under the age of 18, this show is not recommended for you or rated for you. This video will be fine. We'll be talking about some dark themes and some dark themes, but nothing too, too explicit should be happening during this actual episode of the show. With that out of the way, if you haven't watched the newest Amazon Prime series, Invincible, let me be the first to tell you that it is very impressive. And if you can stomach it, well worth the watch. The art, breathtaking. The action, exhilarating. The cast, ugh, perfection. But just what is Invincible? Well, the show is titled after the protagonist of the show, Mark Grayson, who discovers that he's inherited his dad's superpowers while in high school. When he was a kid, his dad confessed to him that he was the superhero Omni-Man, who was essentially the Superman of this comic book universe. Nolan Grayson, which is Omni-Man's true identity, is an extraterrestrial of the Viltrumite race. He's super in basically every way. He can fly, super strong, super fast, mostly invulnerable, etc., 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 all the good stuff. The thing about Omni-Man that makes him a bit different from Soup's is that he is a lone wolf who only occasionally works with the Guardians of the Globe, which is this universe's Justice League equivalent. Nevertheless, he proclaims to be the protector of Earth. So the plot of the show follows this young fledgling hero in Omni-Man's son Mark as he develops his powers, practices his skills, learns his parameters, stands up to his bullies, meets love interests, and does all that delightful superhero stuff. In the first episode, we get to see him come up with his superhero name and get his costume and all these wonderful things. We see these adorable fans 
family moments of the Graysons together and the teenage angst that happens at its finest. Omni-Man is this doting dad, thrilled to learn of his son's half-Viltramite powers finally showing up. He's ready to train his son and help him become the hero that he is here on Earth. And so, for exactly the first 43 minutes of the 47 and a half minute episode, this is the story that we're told as the viewers of the show. But then, everything changes. Like, big time. In the last few minutes of the first episode, the music suddenly cuts out entirely, and we are forced to witness a secret assailant call together the Guardians of the Globe at their equivalent of the Watchtower. We then see that the secret one who called them together was Omni-Man himself. Then, the show leans in hard to earning its TVMA rating, and we watch in horror as Omni-Man silently and brutally murders and decimates every single member of the Guardians. They put up a fair enough fight, but Omni-Man overpowers all seven of them and takes them all down single-handedly and let me go ahead and tell you for realsies it's brutal it's awful to watch why did it happen well we don't know was omni-man mind control well that's certainly the guardians theory as they're being brutally butchered but who really knows in this first episode we get left with complete silence over the credits over a bloodied battlefield filled with defiled corpses of the parallel universe superheroes that many of us including myself grew up watching it's uh, really rough it's a hard watch and to be frank it's one I'd be happy never watching again so long as I live. Now feels like a good time to mention who wrote this show. Well, this show is based off of a comic book by a writer named Robert Kirkman. Does that name sound familiar? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I guarantee you his best known work will definitely spark something in you. This is the guy that brought us the ubiquitous late 2000s series, the Walking Dead. Yeah, that guy. Kirkman is a writer and partner at Image Comics known for taking the tropes that we know and love and making them brutal and unapologetic social commentaries to get our attention, keep our attention, and make us wish that we could possibly look away. To say that I recommend this show would be an understatement. There is a reason I'm only discussing episode one. If you can stomach those last three minutes, please go and watch because it is an incredibly important show and one that actually helps us understand the Bible in a whole new light. Whoa, okay, bet you weren't expecting that one, right? Yeah, let's talk about the Old Testament. Our scripture for this video is, um, to be frank, not one of my favorites. In fact, a lot of the smaller narratives of the Old Testament make me ridiculously uncomfortable. Not so much because of the content, but because of how we get told these stories as children. I can remember whenever I was a kid, I idolized Samson. He was this buff Steve Austin type who didn't take no mess, right? He was a hero, right? God liked him, right? It wasn't too long ago that I was actually having a conversation with someone who told me that their favorite Bible character was Samson, and I had to do like a double take. Like, y'all need to know, Samson, yes, he is a judge in the book of Judges, but a hero? Ugh, not so much. That's like saying Elisha should be a model for Rogaine. Sure, that'll make bears happy, but is he a hero? <laughs> Debatable. So let's talk about Samson. First off, what is a judge? What is about this book of Judges? Are we talking Supreme Court? Well, no, not so much. See, in the Jewish scriptures, which are what the Old Testament are comprised of, the people of Israel, God's people, go through this cyclical process that is more narrative than history book. The people mess up, they become enslaved, God frees them, they're thankful. The people mess up, they become enslaved, God frees them, they are thankful. Rinse, repeat. Now, the question becomes, how would God free them? With the judges, of course. So, the judges weren't so much judges of people, they were invokers of justice. 
to free the Israelites from captivity. Think more along the lines of Judge Dredd than Justice Sotomayor. Typically, we teach kids about the judges by painting them more like vanilla superheroes than the complicated characters that they really are. The truth of the judges is that they, like, aren't actually very good. The surface-level look at the judges reveals heroes rescuing a nation, but if you take even a slightly deeper glance, it reveals human beings giving in to pride when power is given to them by God. It really is just a character analysis over and over and over again of an abuse of power. Case in point, Samson. So the story of Samson is one that is pretty culturally pervasive. He's probably the biblical judge that even non-Christians know. He is born blessed and stronger than anyone ever. Only catch, he is a Nazarite, and so he can't cut his hair. If he does, then the power will leave him. We all know Samson and Delilah. So Samson is a literal superhuman. He does crazy stuff like ripping a lion in twain as if it were a goat, because that's a statement that makes sense. He also slays a ton of dudes with the jawbone of a donkey, because reasons. We want to treat Samson like this mythic figure of Paul Bunyan or some pure brute force, but he doesn't really do anything that God wants him to do, or at least not by the letter of Jewish law. Samson is a ladies' man. He not only has quite the eye for women, but he indulges in his fantasies and marries women from outside the Jewish culture, which is a big no-no in this time. He partakes in wine at this huge festival. Big no-no! He actually marries someone, literally from the opposing tribe, that God sent him to free the Israelites from. It's kind of a bum deal. But perhaps the worst thing of all that Samson does is see himself as a poet and thinking of himself clever, because he's really not. So let's just look at our scripture for today. Samson makes a bet, right? Not a super kosher thing to do with the enemy of his people. Mm, not good. So that he can celebrate his marriage to an enemy woman mm -mm, by stealing 30 garments from his enemy. I mean, stealing, come on. Then when they cannot solve his awful riddle, which isn't even a sin, it's just tacky. Who could possibly solve this ridiculous riddle? So the bad guys do bad things and try to convince his wife to probe Samson for the answer, which she does. And then he gets ticked off when they do know the answer and refers to his fiance as a heifer. Gross. And then he takes out revenge by going and slaughtering 30 of their own people and giving those 30 garments as payment for their correctly getting the answer to his dumb riddle. At no point in time does God recommend any of this. Samson is totally a loose cannon on his own trail of blood, lies, and pride. We learn in another scripture that God will make it all work for good towards the liberation of the Jewish people, but that Samson is indeed on the lamb here. These are not the actions of God. They are the actions of human pride. So here is my problem with the judges. Heck, even Moses, who is such an important judge that he gets his own couple books and arching narrative, he messes up a lot. The message of the judges is not idolization. We aren't supposed to love the judges. To be frank, we aren't really supposed to even like the judges. I sure don't. We're supposed to see them as the literal best that we as humanity have to offer and to take some of the pressure off of ourselves to be perfect. We need to accept that humanity is faulty and broken and we just will never get it right. We're driven by our own problems, our own prides, our own vices. So let's go back to Omni-Man. We as a culture tend to worship superheroes. I've always wanted to be more like Goku, more like Batman, except for the whole parent thing. I love you, mom and dad. But the reality of all of this, the reality of Omni-Man is that even the strongest among us, even those we most idolize or wish to emulate, they all have their own mess. They all have their own baggage. If you want to be a hero, if you want to be greater than yourself, there's only one way. There's only one real answer. There's only one character that truly takes the cake here, and it's the Sunday school answer, folks. It's Jesus. I'm sorry to get cheesy with it, but it's just the truth. Samson, Omni-Man, all these larger-than-life super beings, they're still just 
beings. They are still wrapped up in themselves, their own pride. The only one who, as scripture tells us, came for us, was sent for us, was sent for the other and not for the self. The only one who checks that box is Jesus Christ. I doubt that's exactly the commentary that Kirkman is trying to present us with, but he's doing a really excellent job nailing down the reality that heroes, even fictional ones captured on paperback or in slick animations, they ultimately fail to live beyond the tips of their noses. These characters serve us in one way. Either they are reminders of how to live more Christ-like lives, like in the form of Boy Scouts like Superman, or they are stark differences that show us that superheroes aren't perfect either, like Omni-Man. What is Omni-Man's ultimate goal? Does he truly want to protect mankind? Is protection really what mankind even needs? What about Samson? Did he really want to bring justice? Was justice really what the Israelites needed? The answer is convoluted and tricky, but only one answer matters. Jesus is for us. So what could ever stand against us? So we have the New Testament. Thanks be to God. We have these awful examples of human beings trying to do the best that they can and failing miserably in the Old Testament. But we have the New Testament to look to. So let's live like Christ. Let's do good. Let's do no harm and continue to grow together and hopefully start to look more and more like Jesus each and every day. And if Omni-Man is watching, I didn't speak ill of you. I think you're great. Please don't hurt me and my family. Folks, thanks for listening to our weekly nerdy deep dive into the world of nerds, geeks, and gamers. We hope you enjoyed the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to experience this video in its intended full viewing, feel free to find us over on YouTube at Checkpoint Church and watch it there. If you're interested in supporting what we're doing, feel free to go to www.checkpointchurch.com support for information on how to donate or support us financially or otherwise. Or you can go through the Anchor app and support us there as well. This program is created, produced, and edited by Nathan Webb and distributed by Anchor. Find us on twitch.tv slash checkpointchurch where we'll be streaming on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Thanks again for listening to our show and remember, God loves you, we love you, you matter. Be boldly blessed and we will catch you next time.